Try that. Hello. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I think you can hear me now. Oh, do I have to do that whole intro? Do I have to do that whole thing over again? That whole conversation I just had, I have to start all over again? Come on. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I will. Okay, I'm going to just start over again. Hello, and welcome to another episode, the daily episode. Hello, and welcome to your daily episode of The Jeff Show. My name is Jeff. Welcome to my show. Um, we're, we, we've been doing uh, a daily um, look at the Return of Living, the hit, complete history of Return of Living Dead. And uh, I figured we would take a break uh, today to focus on one of the most intense films that I've ever seen in my life. You know, it's amazing when you got to redo something. I have to redo. I'm redoing what I'm saying just now. And it doesn't roll off the tongue the way that it rolled off the tongue the first time. And I hate having to, like, to redo something. You lose the, the truth of the moment when, when you're doing that. Hi, Rue. How are you? Thank you for, for letting me know. I might have done this whole show with no, no uh, audio, and I would have been uh, even more flummoxed and upset. Um, in any case, okay, so a little history here about this film, my relationship with this film, and why uh, I'm so stoked that it is becoming the big deal that it is once again. It seems to have a resurgence every you know, a uh, bunch of years. Uh, so to start, uh, I used to, you know, obviously much like, you know, you watching out there, uh, huge horror nut, huge horror fan. I love horror. I love, I love every aspect of it. I'll watch any kind of horror. My rule of thumb that I've developed over the years, I, I've sort of evolved in my taste. My rule of thumb is as follows. I will watch anything that is extreme as long as there is a plot and a story and a point. If you make a movie and it's just, you know, guys killing guys or guys ripping up girls for no reason. I mean, not, I mean, obviously that's what a lot of those 80s slasher films are. There's no reason that they have to be sliced and diced, but there's a story there. It's a story of people trying to survive against a, an evil sadistic killer. If your movie is like straight up guinea pig, I was talking about this with uh, Dead Gein from uh, Blood Sucking Zombies from Outer Space the other week. Uh, if your film is just straight, like, you know, gore without, for the sake of gore, I'm not going to be interested. It doesn't interest me. Don't want to see it. Really don't. Um, especially, you know, at the dawn of the, the internet, uh, it still is, but it used to be even more so the Wild Wild West. You used to be able to see anything that you wanted on the internet. I will never forget. I think I was 17 years old and um, the footage had been uploaded of the journalist who was beheaded in Afghanistan. Uh, he was a Jewish journalist. His last words, I'm a Jew, like my parents were before me. And then they cut off that dude's head. And I'll tell you, we watched that video. We watched the dude actually get his head cut off. I don't know why some, again, that's, this is the type of dumb stuff that you do as, as teenagers. This is what you do as a dumb teenager. Uh, the guy gets his head cut off. And um, I'll never forget the scream, the shriek, the real shriek of a person losing their life. You know, that was like the very beginning of me sort of like questioning, like, why am I watching this stuff? And this ain't no faces of death. This is like really extreme stuff. I've seen Mexican cartel videos. That was really intense. Stuff like that. Um, 
And I guess on some level, on some primordial level, it's like, oh, uh, oh, you know, uh, it's like, uh, you know, the kids next door uh, being brave and and sneaking over to old man McGregor's house because they heard that, you know, he's some evil guy and got to knock on old man McGregor's door and run away. You know, that kind of thing, that kind of like childhood Stephen King, let's go see a dead body, stand by me type of situation. Um, and then as the years have progressed, hey, what's going on, Peter? Welcome. Welcome to the show. We're, we're talking about something a little bit different than Return of the Living Dead today. We're going to get back to that. Um, I'm just in the middle of my intro right now. And so the, the thing that um, you know start, slowly started to happen inside of me was like, this stuff is really crazy. The real world is a really insane, dangerous, unfair, depressing place at times in certain areas, very lucky to live where I lived, grew up how I grew up. A lot of people were not so fortunate. I just, I don't know. Uh, I guess the more I started to appreciate and cherish life, the more I sort of, you know, realized that the entertainment that I watch needs to exist in a way that makes sense for me to observe it morally, I guess. I know I sound kind of lame right now, but that's just how I am, man. Uh, a great example uh, is stuff like the Manson stuff, uh, you know, Marilyn Man, no, sorry, Charles Manson, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, true crime films. I have a very, very, very low tolerance for true crime films. I saw the girl next door and that was another moment threshold moment where I said, why am I watching this? I was like, there, there is no, like, I mean, there is a story there. It's a true story. But there's like, why do I have to see that? Why do I just watching this girl being tortured? I don't want to watch this girl being tortured. It don't work for me. So I've started to really, and again, uh, guinea pig. I saw one guinea pig that I thought was great and really felt that, frankly, I think it should be remade. I just really like it. I'd love to see a French version, like the new French extremity version of that. I love new French extremity, you know, frontiers and inside and, uh, Trouble Every Day and uh, High Tension. These films I could watch. Endless gore in these films. Not a problem. I'm I'm all for it. It's the stuff that is based on like true crime for me is a tough is a tough one to swallow because it really happened to someone and people are recreating this person's pain for the sake of profit. I just don't fly with me, man. I just don't dig that. I don't. Uh, so I'm not down with any of that. Charles Manson murder stuff. I'm not. Matter of fact, that's why I like Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Hollywood. The one thing that I thought the best part of that movie, the best, yeah, the book is even more graphic. That's that dude, what's his face, um, who collaborated with uh, Lucky McKee on The Woman. Um, I forget his name. His name is, he, he passed away. But uh, yeah, he wrote a bunch of really, really nutty stuff. Point is, I really like that about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when, when, when Sharon Tate in the alternate Quentin Tarantino universe, spoilers, Sharon Tate doesn't die. I thought it was a beautiful, cathartic, therapeutic, touching way to deal with what was frankly a very horrible murder. You know, people know the truth. I'm not going to talk about it on here. I'll probably get my, my thing will probably lose my monetization for it, but go look into the real murder of what happened to Sharon Tate. This was a pregnant woman. Go read about what they did. You know, when people, even John Waters, I don't understand how John Waters wants compassionate parole 
for the people that murdered Sharon Tate. They should not get compassion. They should, they're lucky to be alive. They should be rot, they should rot in prison for the rest of their lives for what they did, what they what they did to, to them. Yeah, man. Yeah, Rue. I mean, it's like again, and Rue, I love horror films. Like, I'm not gonna stop watching horror films. I cheer when someone gets their brains bashing. It's just that when it really happened to someone. And then here's the flip side of that. I know it's going to sound really crazy. And this is a very long intro into what we're going to talk about. Um, I know this is really, this is going to sound really, really crazy. But now on the flip side of all that, I do, there are some, fil- I will watch a brutal, true life film as long as it's not true crime. I will watch, there are some things that are true to life that I will watch, like Holocaust movies. Because if they're accurate, if they're being done the right way, then what I'm doing is I'm bearing witness to the very real pain that someone experienced. And I'm not doing it because I want to watch a horror film. I'm doing it to remember and reflect and to understand the 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 context. Exactly, Pete. I don't get it, man. The context of what that person went through. So I think Holocaust movies are super important and super valid. I think I'll tell you, you know, what's an exception to the rule with the true crime stuff. I think it's just such a, a masterpiece of a film and I enjoy, I don't enjoy it, but I, I, I truly respect it for being what it is. Um, Henry portrait of a serial killer, which is based on a real guy. Um, it's just so well done. It's so perfect. It doesn't sensationalize anything. It's not trying uh, there's nothing commercial about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. It's literally a portrait of a serial killer. That works for me. You know, um, if it's a fictionalized portrait of a serial killer, that works for me too. It's when you take a very real thing that happened to a real person whose last moments on this earth were terrifying and horrible and then recreate that for people's entertainment. That's when I, because there's some things you don't watch for entertainment. There are some things you watch to understand the human condition. There are some things that you watch to understand the world better. It's an education. It's, you know, uh, it, it opens up your worldview. That's why I love cinema. It allows you, it projects you into a world that you may never and will never ever visit you can travel to places that you're never going to travel to yeah uh, it's like you could li- you're literally omnipotent you can go you can go and see what life was like 500 years ago in this small little village and blah, 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 blah. you know what i'm saying like it's very it's a very incredible medium in that kind of way so there there definitely needs to be some context now for instance i watched last house on the left for the first time this year i avoided it for many years because of its subject matter but at the same time I was very surprised to watch it and go, oh my God, like there's actually like a movie here. It's not just the exploitative act. You know what I'm saying? Especially when I understand the context of why people watch I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left that have gone through traumatic experiences that are similar to those things. I'm not going to say that word on YouTube because I think that's like one of those words that gets you in trouble. Um, uh, that it's therapeutic for them. So there's that interesting aspect as well to all this stuff. Okay, so that's just the that's just the preamble to the preamble. So now, at the same time, as I'm starting to feel this way, as I'm growing up in my years, my 20s, really in my 20s, I'm starting to change in this way of like, I don't know if I want to see that. I don't know. I'm watching this movie Cannibal one day. And it's just this, you know, it's about the guy, the real cannibal who who ate someone who voluntarily wanted to be eaten. One of the most in, 
intense and effed up true life stories that I'd ever seen. And that's something I'm watching because I'm going, this is like 2006 or 2007. I'm going, I like can't understand how you could voluntarily want to die in that way and be consumed. And how could you enjoy it if you're dying in the process? Like, how do you bear witness to the thing? It just, the whole thing blows my mind, you know? Um, and I'm watching that. I'll never forget. And this always happens. I, I'm sure you guys can relate to this. You're watching an effed up horror movie. Uh, and somebody who either doesn't know you very well or someone who who shouldn't walk in, somebody walks in at the worst possible moment. They don't walk in at, during the intro. They walk in at the worst possible moment when there's something really graphic happening on the screen, and they look at you like, what are you doing? That kind of thing. I'll never forget, I had a roommate in college. I'm watching this movie, Cannibal, and he goes, and I'm, I feel embarrassed. I'm like, I, oh, but I think I'm watching this, but because this guy is like, he's like a, a a church mouse man. He's just like such like a whatever. I don't want to get into that. He's a nice guy. In any case, he just goes. He says one thing that really stood out to me, even to this day. He goes, I ex- explain to him what it is that I'm watching, how it's a true life story, blah blah blah, and he just looks at me. He goes, Why would you want to see that? And I'm going. Why would I want to see that? I don't know because it's brutal and cool, you know, like like that kind of thing. And um, and he had a good point. He had a good point. And so I realized that there's also like this gray area where like I want to see that thing, but this is not something I'm going to watch over and over again. It's like pretty much one and done or two and done, you know, or something like like. And again, that was like you know, Cannibal Holocaust, the most in- extreme film ever, like the scariest most extreme film of all time you know uh brutal they you know had to they seized the footage in court he had to prove that the actors didn't really die like, i have to watch this precursor to blair witch by the way cannibal holocaust by by about 18 years uh had the actors to, uh, told the actors to lay low for a whole year after the movie came out so people might think that they're really as a matter of fact very much connected to our main subject matter along with the blair witch in the sense that all three of these films are found footage films and it seems that these films have a way of creating buzz by confusing people into believing that they are real films, that they are based on real life situations in all three circumstances. While they may take from real life in some way, shape or form in the same way that any kernel of any idea could be based in realism, they are all fake, including Megan is missing. So rest assured the clickbait that you've been clickbaited with in this and in every other you know, article and yada, 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 uh, is, uh, is, is false. It, there is nothing to worry about. By the way, at this point, if you're still watching and you're appreciating this commentary about, uh, experiencing graphic horror films, please take a moment to like this video, leave a comment and, uh, subscribe to this channel. Uh, if you get an ad that pops up, let that ad play through. If you're not doing anything busy, when you let those ads play through, you're helping me to do this full time. So that's the best way you can support the creation of this art. Thank you. Not even asking you for a dime anymore. Um, anyway, where was I about what I was talking about? Yeah. So, so uh, slowly but surely, I'm sort of getting to this place where I'm like, I kind of still want to watch stuff that, you know, get gains a reputation, but it's, there's got to be something. I'm not just going to like, you know, there was a controversy. I was talking about it with my friend and film festival director, Stephen Stahl. 
who runs the Sick and Wrong Film Festival, which I just uh, did a, a, a short film for called Beyond the Green Hole. Uh, so, so keep your eyes peeled for Beyond the Green Hole, which will be playing. It premieres this Friday. It's a free event. It's a free event, you guys. And it's, hold on, I'm going to show you here. Here is here is some Beyond the Green Hole, real quick, just because we're, we're 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 on that subject. Let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, um, here's some Beyond the Green Hole. Ba -ba -da -ba. There we go. So here is here is some stills from my recent short film. This is premiering on Friday, you guys, and it's free. It's a free online event. There's lots of films. So that's Beyond the Green Hole. That's the that's the subject title. And why is this guy green? Why is this guy in a car? And why is that guy in a car? Let me just tell you it is graphic. It is graphic. If you don't like graphic stuff, you may not get it, man. You may not get it, but uh it was really fun to make, really gross. Uh, sort of speaks to how much I love that kind of humor. In any case, uh, I was talking with Steven and we were talking about the controversy that happened at Horror Hound Film Festival, where these guys were accepting a bunch of rewards for essentially what they were doing was they were recreating an R.A.P.E. murder video that that was, I guess, famous from like some famous true crime. And they were giddy with pleasure as they were talking about how they had to show the actresses how to be R-A-P-E-D'd on, on video. And there was a huge amount of controversy. There were people that I know that were in the audience who, 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 who basically blew the whistle and called them out. We're like, why are you glorifying this stuff? Yada, yada, yada. Why are these guys winning awards for, for making such garbage? It's garbage. That's what it is. It's garbage, man. In my opinion, it's garbage. I think, I, and again, at the same time, I appreciate a guy like Steven Bureau and Unearthed Films, you know, and doing what they do in the sense of trying to make true underground cinema, but that's where it belongs in the underground, you know? Um, so in any case, so I was, uh, I'm, I'm like Conan, man. I'm on this quest to see everything, everything that there is to see. I want to see it. I, there is nothing too sick, nothing too demented, I'm watching Cannibal Holocaust. You know, I see the real animals being slaughtered. They slaughtered real animals in that film. I see uh, the, the the gore that they have at the end. Of course, you know, they're, they're just all sorts of movies um, that, that I'm watching. And, and and then 2010 rolls around, and, and this film comes out called a Serbian film. That's the title, a Serbian film. They say this film is the most extreme film. There's nothing like it. It is the the it is the be all and all. And I will concur that it is absolutely one of the most extreme films I've watched, including guinea pig films. Uh, the concepts and ideas and things that happen in that movie are so utterly depraved and terrifying and horrible that um, I've only seen it once. I saw it 10 years ago, and I'll, I don't know if I'll ever see it again. I know there's an uncut version. It kind of piques my curiosity. I'm like, what could they possibly include? But there are there are parts of that, of that movie that I'm a father now. I watched that when I wasn't a father. I'm a father now. I don't think I could watch it. I don't know if I could deal with that stuff. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm very sensitive to children being hurt ever since I became a dad. That's like I, the, like I, I weep for the children, that kind of thing. Um, which brings me to where I'm at today. I can watch, like I said, I'll, I, I'll go toe to toe with anybody on the gore stuff, but 
I need there to, there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason. And the film, there we are. We're at the reason why we're at this video. The film that we're going to talk about now absolutely has a reason to exist. Not only does it have a reason to exist, I think if you are a parent, in the minimum, in the very least, every parent who has children, who especially if those children are on the internet, needs to watch this film and have the awareness that this film garners from watching the things that happen in this film. Um, it's insane. It is insane. Um, perspective from firsthand experiences definitely help us appreciate what we have in life. Uh, true horror is mankind's history. Thank God for Yeah, man. Rue, I totally agree with that, man. You're so right. You're so right. Ho true horror is mankind's history. Absolutely. Um, so again, if you have a child and they have a phone, you know, and I got to tell you, the moment that my son is old enough to have a cell phone, I want him to have one. But the reason why I want him to have one is because I never want there to be a moment where my son can't call me. My son should always be able to get in contact with me. That's how I feel about it. Honestly, I am. I feel as a parent, I'm like, you know, I, I could either like try and like keep this kid away from the world or I could just let him be in the world. I just want him to always know that his dad is always there and, and, and always a phone call away. You know, uh, that's how I feel, man. That's how I feel like, you know, if, if he's out in the field drinking, if he's like 15 and he's out in the field drinking when he so, shouldn't be and he's drunk and he's thinking about getting in a car because he wants to get home without us finding out, I'd rather him call me and be like, dad, I'm drunk, man. Come pick me up. I'll come pick him up. I'll be like, that'll be the rule. You know, like, like you won't, you're not, you're not in any trouble. If you reach out to me, the policy is there's, you won't get into any trouble. So that he always feels like he doesn't have to make the more dangerous choice because he doesn't want to face my wrath. I think that's where I'm at, at least right now. He's, that's, I mean, we're still many years away, like a decade away from dealing with that, that, that nonsense. Although, not a decade away from dealing with the internet. Point is, is that if my son has a phone, that means he's connected to the internet. And in which case, I'm trying to figure out how I want him to see this film because I want him to see this film and he might laugh at it. You know, he might laugh at it a lot, uh, uh, you know, but at the same time, I think it's incredible that the TikTok generation, because that's what I call them, the TikTok kids, TikTok generation is having the visceral experience that they're having from this film uh, you know, uh, it's essentially, it's a, what is it? It's a 16 year old, 14 year old film. It was made in 2006. So it has a lasting impact, you know, that would be like in 2006, that would be like, uh, 19, that'd be like watching a film in 1992 and being, okay, I guess maybe that makes sense. Exactly. Rue parenting, man, it's parenting. Um, so point is, is that I want communication with my kids and I want, I think the best way, instead of like lecturing to my son or my daughter, why not just show them a really effed up movie about things that really, because here's the thing about Megan is Missing that makes it different from everything we've been talking about. Megan is Missing, in my opinion, is just as extreme as all those films we're talking about, even Ser a Serbian film. It's just as extreme as all those films. Do you know what the big difference is? The big difference between all those films? Megan is Missing is based on reality. 
It's not, um, and when I say that compared to the other films, in there are fantastical elements in every one of the other films we were talking about in some way, shape, or form. There's some sort of pseudo-fantastical element or in, in some sense of the word. Not Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. That's definitely not. Uh, there's some sort of little thing in in a in a Serbian film. There's a special drug that that the main character takes that uh, allows him to be stimulated in the way that he is stimulated uh, to do some of the things that he does. There's other acts in that movie that, again, I at the same time, if you, you have to imagine that if human beings can think it, it's probably been done already. True story. If you can think it, someone has probably done it. That's that's the reality of the situation. So maybe everything in a Serbian film is true. Point. My point with this is what happens in Megan is missing. Not only is it real, it happens all the time. 400. I just heard a podcast, and this is why I'm talking about it now. You know, there was a uh, Bloody Disgusting has a podcast, and they had the director. I was like, oh, my goodness. I guess this is getting a resurgence. I was listening to this podcast with, with Megan and Amber, the two girls, uh, two stars of the film, and the director, Michael Goy. And they're just talking about the resurgence with TikTok, and they're talking about how something like 400,000 kids go missing every single year. And this isn't some, like, Pizzagate conspiracy thing. This is uh, I'm not talking about any of that nonsense. It's not political. It's just reality. People, Kids get abducted. It's one of the scariest things in the world. It really happens. And a film like Megan is Missing is based on four, I believe it's up to, there are four different things that were blended into one story that have happened to many, 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 many kids that happen all the time. They happen every day and they're probably happening right now. And there's nothing we can do about it. Or at least there's nothing I could do about it from, from this guy. I mean, you could get donate money, you know, maybe join some sort of task force guy. I don't know. My point is, is that this is happening all the time. And that's what makes Megan is missing and the images that are within it more terrifying, gut-wrenching, brutalizing than anything else. There's a few other films that I find to be really extreme. For instance, I don't know if you ever heard of a movie called Threads. Threads is incredibly brutal. Threads is brutal because it's real. Threads is a docudrama. It's not, it's, it's not actually real, but you know, it's based on government reports from England about what would happen if a nuclear bomb ever landed down on land, you know, took out a small city. I mean, it is insane. It is insane. It, it, it's a brutal film made in 1984, incredibly effective and scary. Um, Miracle Mile and These Final Hours both deal with similar themes of, of end-of-world scenarios involving nuclear bombardment, and uh, they also work. Well, These Final Hours is about a comet. So it's a little bit more fantastical, but uh, the, it seems to be backed up by some kind of science. I don't know. In any case, um, I don't know, man. There's something about Megan is missing that on one hand, it's so brutal. And I've only seen it once. I saw it one time in 2012. It was on Hulu. And I said to myself, I don't think I ever need to watch this film again. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, I kind of want to show this to my my children when they're old enough to see it so they can really learn about the dangers of the Internet. Instead of me lecturing to them and talking down to them, be like, you shouldn't do this. All these He's like, why not just scare them? Let's sh show them what really happens. You know, at least let them have some sort of tangible, healthy fear of what the internet can do. Like set it up, show them these films, and then go, everything you just saw is real or it can really happen and could really happen to someone like you. And therefore, you need to be incredibly 
careful and have common sense when you're using the internet. End of story. Um, so, so how did I find Megan is missing? Megan is, so I, you know, I'm, I'm searching on these lists going back to, you know, my, my quest as Conan, my Conan, my Conanic, I just made up a word, Conanic quest. Gone, baby gone. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, oh, that's uh, with Ben Affleck. Is that the Ben Affleck movie that was directed by David Fincher? Maybe I think I've seen gone, baby gone actually. Yeah. Gone, baby gone prisoners Rue prisoners as well. That's, that's one of those films. Um, so on these lists, they have all these films about like, you know, and I see the, the, all the usuals, man, all the usuals, all the cannibal Holocaust and yada, 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 Henry portrait of a serial killer. You know, all these films are on there about like, Oh, they are the most, ex- the Guinea pig films, most extreme. Everything is on there. French extremity films are on there. You know, frontiers is on there. Inside is on there, you know, and I'm just going, huh. I've seen all these things. Casey Affleck and Morgan Freeman. Okay, I'll check that out, Rue. Thank you. Um, I'm like, ha ha, I've seen all these movies. And then there's one that just keeps popping up on lists all the time. And I, uh, you know, necromantic, you know, uh, the I haven't seen The Bunny Game, to be fair. I've heard The Bunny Game is, I, I actually kind of don't want to watch The I'm kind of afraid. To, <laughs> I'm kind of afraid to watch the uh the bunny king <laughs> the bunny game the bunny game um have not seen that one yet i don't know if there, there's a yet to that but i haven't seen it um but i keep hearing about megan is missing and i just like it looks so generic i might as well let's pull up let's see if we can find the uh the, the thing um here okay so now that we're talking about film let me see if i can find the poster for it just to explain why hmm no i'm not seeing a poster here these are just kids reactions to take well we'll look at that to that too um where is the poster for megan is missing it's on the cover the poster is incredibly it's a generic looking poster man you just kind of look at it and you just go what like it just looks like a stupid found footage poster it doesn't look it, it looks so tame megan is missing it doesn't look like anything it just looks like gar here let me pull it up i don't have to pull it up here's the poster for megan is missing and you just kind of look at it and you go what what's the big deal what's so uh you know what's so extreme about about this poster right like right here Take a look at that poster. And you just go, that's there's nothing extreme about that. It's just, you know, it just looks like uh looks like your typical um you know found footage. Megan and Amy are best friends. They share secrets, they chat with guys online, and a few days they will never be seen again. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I had no I I truly I had no idea how how truly terrifying something like that could be and a powerful important film that deserves both attention and discussion i couldn't agree more uh i couldn't agree more so here is the director oh you can't see the thing though um how can i show you the here let's see i'll boost this volume let's see if you can hear this Oh no. We don't want ad. 
music that will affect us when we monetize this video. Give me one second while we've got the stupid ad play. Okay, here we go. Oh, you can't hear it because I have the headphones plugged in, of course. Silly me. Um, or maybe you can hear it. Can you hear that, guys? Rue, can you hear that over your... Uh... No, you wouldn't be able to, I guess. Hold on. Let me stop sharing the screen. Let's share the screen again. Um, Chrome tab. There we go. Now you should be able to hear it. Okay, ready? Oh, you can't hear this. Hmm. All right. You can't. I'm being told you can't hear it. I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't know how to do because I got headphones in. Whatever. Point is, this is a warning that the director gives to people um, to avoid uh, traumatizing them. That's and, and you want to know something? I, I couldn't agree with it more. So, so here's what happens, right? So I'm, I'm watching. Uh, so I finally decide to fire up Megan is missing, right? Uh, we, we, uh, I, I pop it up. It's on, it's on Hulu. I decide I'm going to watch it. I have absolutely no warning. I have no idea what to expect. I have no, no idea what I'm about to see in the least. So I have, I don't get a warning from a director like this. And, um, he talks about in his, in his warning, he says, uh, he says photo number one and uh, here you go. I didn't get to give, here's what it says. Here's the transcription in the video. Ready? I didn't get to give you the customary warnings that I usually give to people before they watch Megan is missing, which are do not watch the movie in the middle of the night. Do what? Do not watch the movie alone. Uh, and if you see the words photo number one pop up on your screen, you have about four seconds to shut off the movie. If you're already kind of freaking out before you start seeing things that, Maybe you don't want to see, he said. And um, man, uh, he he couldn't. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. It is it is truly ter terrifying. That first image you see, you see an image, and the image is um, the image is. I don't know how to describe it, man. It's really really sad. It's really sad. The image is based on an actual photo that they recreated. They recreated that photo. That is a real photo. From the internet, that that photo is uh, is a is an SEX crime itself that they then recreated for that thing. And I'm not going to say what it is. Just go watch the movie if you have a chance to watch it. And for those of you who've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you when that popped up on the screen because up till that point, you're watching it, and the acting for me, the acting was a little goofy. I kind of want to revisit it because I wonder if I'm going to have a different. Uh, uh, approach to it, but at the same time, because I know what's coming, I don't think Megan is missing will ever have the impact that it it it, it has. I feel like it's a, something that you watch one time. You need to watch it with full attention, and it has this intense primal impact on you, like this impact of like I want to like hug my children and keep them protected from the world that could destroy them at any moment. That kind of thing, and um, uh. I just remember up until that point, up until photo number one, the acting is really, really sort of, it's just 
it's just sort of cheesy, man. It's cheesy acting. Um, the, 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 the way that they do it, it's 2006. So they're doing video calls in 2006 and it feels very, it feels too ahead of its time is the truth. It's too ahead of its time because in reality, that's like a, in today's reality, people talk on their phone, people FaceTime on their phone all the time. If Megan is missing was made today, it would be completely real. But because it's made in 2006 and here I am watching in 2012, I'm going, nobody talks on their phone like that. And she has a razor phone. I'm going, nobody can talk on a razor phone that way. This is just not very realistic. It doesn't work. So that kind of took me out of it all until we get to photo number one. And when you see this photo, that's all I'm going to say. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and uh, from that moment on, my attention is razor focused. I mean, it's it's scary up until that point. It's scary because, you know, this girl, Megan, she gets abducted and you're terrified. Here's the thing that, that the, here's what makes it, it sort of, the Megan is missing works on the Jaws principle. That's, that's what I'm trying to say here. It works on the Jaws principle. What's the Jaws principle? When Steven Spielberg was making Jaws, he uh, struggled with the mechanical shark, Bruce the shark. Didn't work very well. There was a lot of problems. Uh, the seawater corroded the wires. Um, they, they just were having tons of problems. They couldn't get the shark to function that the way they needed to function, let alone be a, a scary creature of the sea, right? And so the way that the movie Jaws was saved was by cutting out most uh, a lot of shark stuff that didn't work. Instead, and I've heard I've heard this said a few times. The difference between Jaws, when Jaws pops out at certain points in the film Jaws, the difference between Jaws looking terrifying and scary is only about three or four frames, meaning that they cut it just at the right moment, like they cut away from the shark just at the right moment to leave that shark feeling super real and super scary. And if you just stayed a few more extra frames, that shark would have been like, ah, you know, just looks stupid or something. Um what what Spielberg is banking on is the fear of the unknown, the fear of what we cannot see. What I'm putting together in my head, the the unsuspecting lurking is going to be far more terrifying than showing me that rubber shark over and over and over again until I my brain analyzes that it's like this rubber shark, that it's not scary anymore, and it just loses all its power. So there's something about, about being not being afraid with your eyes, but being afraid with your survival sense, I guess. That's what it is. Because, you know, it's easy to be afraid with your eyes and it works for a certain amount of time. Like there's a certain amount of times you can watch something and it's like really scary. And then once you like your your eyes sort of put together what it is, you know, this monster or this thing for me, you know, talk about the tar man, you know, like, I, okay, I see what it is. I see that it's a guy in a suit. I see, okay, I've intellectualized what this is. It doesn't have the same power that it has on me anymore. Rue says sometimes less is more. Exactly. Exactly my point that I'm saying in a really long-winded kind of way. And so so the reason why Megan is missing is so effective is because she gets abducted, but you don't see you don't see a lot. You don't see anything. That's the thing about Megan. 
once once she's and again, huge, huge, huge spoilers. If you've not watched the film, and I'm sorry if I spoiled it previously with that, what I did with my mouth before. Um, stop watching now. Just turn it off. Stop watching this right now. Go watch Megan is missing, and then come back, and we can talk about it. You don't want this to be spoiled for you, but I'm about to be talking about it. So spoilers, spoilers. Um, Megan gets abducted, and then she's you see her two more times after that. You see her in a single photograph, and then you see her again. And what happens is they're 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 doing a search for Megan as they're trying to find her and her best friend Amber. Like, you know, they're trying to, it's like a news broadcast and they go, they go, this image has been something like this image has been identified as Megan has been identified in this image, something like that. And it cuts to that image I was talking about and the look on her face. It's only like four seconds, man. Not even literally four seconds, an entire film, 85 minutes of a film that just punches you in the stomach in four seconds. You know what I mean? And you just go, oh my God. And what's more terrifying is the stuff that you don't, how did she get into that position? Why does she look the way that she has? Why are her eyes like that? Why, like the, the things that happened to her that are implied by that photo, which is foreshadowed in a conversation that she has with her best friend, Amber, which was taken from dialogue that was actually from real teenagers. Michael Goy hung around with real teenagers. He's kind of like, in a way, Megan is missing is kind of like the kids of the next decade. Remember kids and everybody was afraid of getting AIDS and Larry Clark was hanging out with the kids in Central Park and he made this super gritty real life film. I love kids. Kids is one of my favorite films. Um, uh, this is like kids for the next generation. This is kids for the internet generation. He hung out with real kids and the kids told him things and he transcribed them and he put that into the dialogue. So the story that she's telling really did happen to a kid. And then you think about that story and then you think about what's happening in the photo to Megan and it just destroys you. I was destroyed. And from that moment on, for the rest of the film, I... I'm just sitting in my chair, gripped, gripped. It doesn't matter if the acting is is cheesy. It doesn't, nothing matters anymore except, yes, Bully was good too. Bully was a great film. Larry Clark, incredible filmmaker, and it's a shame that he didn't make even more films. He's made a, a handful of films. I wish he made even more films. Um, so it was like, I, I was gripped the entire time I'm watching I'm, I'm watching now. And I'm like, I have to find out what happened to Megan. I have to find out what happened to Megan. And then you see Megan for the second time and you find out what happened to Megan. And let me tell you, Return of Living Dead and Megan is Missing do have something in common. You know what it is? It's a single word. Barrels. People or things that were once people in barrels. Once again, we get a brief glimpse of Megan in a barrel and it is somehow even worse than what we see in the photo the man who has abducted her like this man has no no uh 
takes uh, has no value on, on human life in any way, shape, or form, and what he puts her through and then just tosses her out like she's a rotten piece of celery or meat or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, it it's uh, it's brutal, man. It, it's uh, it's freaking brutal. Um, and then what happens to Amber at the end? I'm not even going to talk about. I'm not going to verbalize that. I don't want to even talk about it. The point is, it's uh, brutal and it's excessive. Uh, and especially the last 20 minutes are absolutely just. It, it, you know, it's funny. People talk about how terrifying um, the Blair Witch was, and I just feel like this is so much more. What, what happens in this film. And when I was watching at the time, I thought in my head and I said, this is before that I, this was before I had understood that this is, you know, done any reading about the film or anything. And I'm just going, this is excessive. This is unnecessary. This is too much for me, man. What's happening to this girl at the end, you know, she goes digging for Megan and boy, does she dig too deep? That's one way to put it. Um, and uh, it it kind of it kind of destroys you as you're as you're watching as you're watching what what unfolds at the end of this film and you're going oh my god this is like super too this is too brutal why are they doing this and there's a reason that's a thing every inch of brutality in this film is done with a reason it's it's to create awareness for something that happens all the time in America. Happens all the time. Happens, and you know it's funny. The director Michael Goy was talking about, you know, uh, typically we made it about two white girls because two white girls are the ones that get all the attention. The white girls, young white girls, are the ones that get all the attention on the news. You know, like that's what the news story. They're going to do a whole hour about this missing white girl from you know a, a, an affluent suburb. You know, and we got to find her, and she's fourteen years old. Yada yada yada, and um. You know, again, he uses figures like 400,000 kids go missing. And the other thing that he says, he talks about people of color. He talks about, you know, black, black male children that go missing all the time. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. There's no fanfare. Nobody searches, or at least nobody searches to the same lengths that they search for the, the missing white girl. I'm not trying to make this about race. I'm just saying this happens to so many kids. And some kids don't even get the type of attention that a girl like Megan would get if she went missing in real life for real. And so Michael Goy wrote, directed, produced, edited this film to raise awareness about this thing that happens in America all the time. It happens all over the world. And um, apparently he based it on four real cases. I have to, for I forget where I read about that. Let's see. Let's actually see what's in this article. We've, I've been talking, talking, talking. A controversial 2001 horror film has regained popularity after TikTok users branded branded it traumatizing. Written and directed by Michael Goy, Megan is Missing is a found footage psychological, I, that's what I'd say, it's a psychological horror film uh, centered around two 14-year-old high school students, Megan, Rachel, played by Rachel Quinn and Amy Amber Perkins. So I'm sorry, her name is Amy, not Amber. Amber is a real life name. So again, for those of us, those of you joining us or those who might be confused, um, this is not based on anything that's real, but I mean, this is not a real story, but it's based on things that really did happen. Uh, again, if you're just joining us, please like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment on these videos, yada, 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 that whole thing. Um, the film takes place in the days leading up to Megan's disappearance after she goes to meet with a boy that she met online. 
Although it was filmed in 2006, the film didn't find distribution until 2011, and there's good reason for that. They filmed it in 2006. Nobody wanted to pick up this film. Anchor Bay, eventually Anchor Bay did pick up the film. They had they had debated for it over a year. They're like, should we pick this up? And I'm like, wait, we're still talking about this over a year later. We probably should pick up this film if we're still talking about it. It must be important on some level. Um it was banned in New Zealand for its objectionable content, which I think was a mistake. I think this film should be shown. This film should be shown in schools, man. You should be showing this in sex ed class. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with the you know, don't don't scare kids into into abstinence. Just scare them into like being aware of like the dangerous world that could suck them up in a second. That's what it should be all about. That's what you got to prepare kids for. Um, uh, so the 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 country's New Zealand's country classification office wrote that the availability of the publication is likely to be injurious to the public good, which man, what a bunch of Puritans, man. And I, I like to think that New Zealand's a very progressive place in many ways, but in that way, they're just puritanical. Uh, at the time, Megan is missing was criticized for poor acting. I think the acting is not that great. Uh, its use of graphic and sexual violence and the over-sexualization of its young protagonists with the many branding the film to be torture porn. Except, you know, people are, the people, what's so funny is people are criticizing a film that's just based on real life. They're criticizing real life. They're not criticizing the film. You know, like, that's what's so funny. Oh, you're over-sexualizing uh, uh, young protagonists. That's exactly what happens to these girls online in real life whatever you want to call it you know um oh it's use of graphic and sexual violence yeah because that's what happens um the film found itself back in the public consciousness over the weekend uh, so this just happened november 14th november 15th after a number of tiktok users watched it for the first time so it got viral because of tiktok which is the latest craze for the youngest of the young generation. It's funny how I think that Facebook is Facebook has become a platform for old people. It's for old people. It's actually aged with me. It's so weird. In five years, I will have been, or five years, Facebook will have been around for 20 years. That's kind of crazy when you think about it, really having a digital persona uh, that's been archived online with you all this time. MySpace has gone the way of the Dodo Live Journal. All these things are gone. Uh, YouTube and Facebook have been around. They just continue. They, 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 they press on and on and on and on. Um, and then after that, you know, you had uh, Instagram. Instagram has become the new thing. And then after that is Snapchat. And Snapchat is starting to become like the previous generation. And the latest and greatest craze is TikTok. TikTok. And TikTok is very similar to – it has features of Snapchat and Instagram all rolled up into one. It's sort of like – I actually like TikTok. I've done I've messed around with it a little bit. Um, so, so the, the youth are discovering this movie and finding it to be terrifying. Um, Megan is missing, man, that ish got me staring at the wall and wanting to delete all my social media accounts and never coming back ever again. One viewer wrote, uh, others warned their fellow social media users not to watch the film with one viewer tweeting. I just watched it and I've never been more triggered or traumatized by something in my entire life. This world is so effing disgusting. I can't stop crying. I feel sick to my stomach. If you haven't watched it yet, please don't. It's horrifying. No, do it. Do watch it. Watch it immediately. And if you're, depending on how you parent your household, show it to your children. Um, in response to the film's popular 
popularity resurgence on TikTok creator Goy, Michael Goy, who has since written for American Horror Story and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, issued a warning to the people interested in watching it for the first time. We, we went over that earlier. I'm not going to reread that. And um, okay, so that's one article. Let's see what else is said here. There's some more, there's some more stuff here. Uh, is Megan is missing based on a true story. So now people, so this is on November 14th, 2020. So now people are starting to really uh, uh, look into it. And that's Megan right there. And that's her friend, Amy. And Megan is sort of the more, uh, I guess you would call her advanced of the two uh, in the sense of like, or more in touch with her sexuality at her age. I don't know how you want to like dissect what she, you know, her situation is. And Amy is the more, you know, is the innocent is truly a girl of, of pure innocence, uh, which makes, Oh my God. Like I even just saying that like makes my flesh crawl. Um, have you, uh, here's what this article has to say. Have you been wondering whether or not the controversial horror film Megan is missing is based on a true story? Well, you're not the only one. Plenty of horror fanatics are questioning whether the 2011 movie has actual real footage in it from 20, uh, 2007 or if it's based on a real missing girl story. And we have some of the answers for you. So I'm going to say right off the bat, it's based on four. This is what I remember reading years ago. It's based on four real life stories that were fused into one story that is Megan is missing um, that were taken from real uh, uh, forensic uh, criminologists. Uh, while the film seems eerily true, what aspects of this ch child serial killer story are factual? It's interesting that they call it a child serial killer story because that's exactly what it is. It's a child serial killer story. Um, let's first discuss the the pr the promise pr premise promise. I can't say that word out loud. Premise the premise. Let's first discuss the premise and the details behind this movie. Directed by Michael Goyd, the psychological horror film was. Purposely filmed in a found footage style and chronicles the days leading up to the disappearance of Megan Stewart after Megan set up to meet with a boy she was chatting with online. The popular high school student goes missing, encouraging her best friend, Amy, to launch an investigation. Now, you know, um, the Michael Goy has said, man, I am so stoked. I am so happy that people think that it looks like crap and that the acting is crap or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He said, because everything in this film is, it's supposed to be real. It should look that way. It should look like crap. He wants, Michael Goyne wants it to feel as real as possible. And like I said, the things that happen to these girls are based on things that are real, as real as possible. And again, you know, it does, like I said, the last 20 minutes are just brutal or are, are brutal. Or I think it's the last 30 minutes are, are just like the worst, like truly the worst. But um, the uh, uh, up until that point, you that that sense of existential dread is the fear of what you're not seeing. And it's brought upon by this photo that we see. And then the photo, then the 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 visual of Megan at the end confirms and somehow that's what's so that's the other thing too it's like an a b setup a the a the 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 setup is the photo and the, that's terrifying in and of itself the punchline i don't really mean a punchline i'm just thinking if you think about a joke or storytelling storytelling is a setup and a payoff you set something up that needs to be paid off later very simple terms i'll use setup and payoff that's better than saying joke and punchline because there's nothing jokey about this. So the setup is this photo that you see of Megan and you see 
what is happening to her. And that's all you see for four seconds. That's it. And then the payoff is not only do you find out what happened to Megan and where she ended up, what talking online to strangers, where it got her, but you also um, see that whatever happened to her in that photo, whatever happened to her photo is a hundred times worse than anyone could have possibly imagined based on her current state at the end of that film. And that's what, that's what makes it so brutal and disturbing. While Goy was inspired by real life cases of child abduction, an unfortunate occurrence that happens frequently in our world, it is not completely based on any particular case. As I said, the film is meant to serve as a cautionary tale to teens and parents. It was shot in 2006, but did not find distribution until Anchor Bay Films released it on DVD in 2011. The film has become so controversial, with some fi- viewers finding it to be so disturbing that New Zealand has banned the film altogether. Critics of the movie have complained that the horror film is extremely... Gra- this is literally taking the same, this is the same article. Some have even claimed that it's unnecessarily exploitative in general. I don't think it can be. I don't think it it can be. You can't there's no way to make this film unnecessary in its in its representation of the real brutality that children face all the time. So this is these are kids reacting 9 years after its release. These are these are kids. I don't think we can we're going to be able to hear them because I have my my headphone on, but this is all right, so this is one kid who's saying this is she's saying me before uh, watching Megan is missing. She said, Oh, you're so traumatized. It makes me want to cry. 30 minutes in that's her 30 minutes in, right? That's how she looks. Right. This is her one hour. in. obviously this is done for maybe for dramatic effect to make it, to show the progression on, on TikTok for views. But I, I I would say it's pretty accurate for me how I felt when I was watching it. That's one hour in. Towards the end, one million percent her reaction is real, or at least real to me. Right? Me shaking and literally trying not to move because move the phone because I'm literally traumatized for life. I mean, it just boom. Let's see what else. It's not quite clear why Megan is missing is going through a renaissance in 2020, but it's not unusual for cultural artifacts from decades past to become popular on TikTok, which is favored by Gen Z. Um, I'm not going to read it again. It it is set in 2007. Uh, Per The Guardian, film scholar Alexandra Heller Nicholas, who has written on violence and RAPE in horror cinema said that Goy's motive was unquestionably positive. He's a good guy who really wants to save kids' lives, but that didn't stop Megan is missing from being dismissed as torture or porn. Ultimately, it still looks and feels like an exploitation film, but it is so not. And I got to tell you, I have to tell you, after watching Megan is missing, that's exactly what I thought that it was. And it wasn't until I heard an interview with the director and how much this guy really cares. He really cares. He really is a stand-up guy who made this with with so so many um with such morals that like there there was so much this was this film was made with ethics, man. 
is what I'm trying to say. This film was made with more morality and ethics, despite its graphic nature. Um, so I, I, I don't think I, I really do think he's a good guy, and his and and his intentions were pure, and he did the right thing in making this film. Uh, many of the videos in the Megan is Missing tag on TikTok were posted within the past several days, and it appears the film exploded on the app over the weekend of November 13th. However, people have posted about the movie and their reactions to it before its biggest surge in November with the film coming up as part of a uh, film recommendation series or in reaction videos. In early October, some users were already posting about how they wish they hadn't watched it. So here's another girl. Uh, she says, just finished Megan is Missing and really wish I hadn't watched it. Um, I don't know if you can't hear this, but here, here is why, she says. Uh, the acting was awful and the photos of Megan after she went missing made me nauseous and the last 20 minutes of the movie made my stomach turn and I thought I was going to throw up because it was so mother effing graphic. It's so interesting how kids communicate. This is a child, not a child, whatever, a girl, a young girl, a, a young teenage girl. She communicates by writing a thing on her head and then posting a video of herself. And that's how she communicates with the world. I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. Um, that's it. So it's almost like a thought bubble in a way over her head. Uh, so here's another teen. Uh, now people on TikTok are posting their reactions to the film or making videos about how they felt after watching it. Many are calling the film traumatizing and using the slowed and pitched down version of Rat by Penelope Scott in their posts. Oh, you're so traumatized. It makes me want to cry. Uh, Scott sings in the song. So this movie that traumatized me. She's just trying to like lip sync. Here, um, something is powerful, an important film, and it shows Megan and Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is her just going through all the stuff. Um, here's another girl. Uh, me getting ready to watch Megan is Missing. Wow, they, they really are using the entire, they're using the entire uh, thing. Look at this. The following film is based on actual events. I mean, that's true. It's not based on, on a particular actual story, but it's based on actual events, right? Okay, because of effing TikTok, she's watching this. All right, it's actually showing shots of the film, so be warned. Be forewarned when you're seeing. If you have not seen the film yet, do not watch this right now. I would turn away. Do not watch. Warning, spoiler. So this is footage. This is the footage, this, the, the, the CCTV footage of Megan getting abducted by Josh. Uh, and this will be the last time anybody ever saw her alive in, in the film, I should say, ever again. Look at her. She just gets pulled away. Look at her. 43 minutes in, she's rolling her eyes. And that's her. Now she's freaking out. My heart sank and broke. And obviously, like, these are these are not, you know... These are done for attention and dramatic effect, but I, you know, I mean, this this film is having an impact on kids, man, and I'm so glad. I think it should, you know, I, I think the best like parents like like parents obviously need to talk to their kids, but it's almost like parents just shut up and let let this movie do the talking for you. The movie will 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 will, will communicate everything that will make your your teenage kids roll their eyes at you for. 
Um, this this TikToker says, I finally got the lady balls. <laughs> I finally got the lady balls to watch Megan is missing. Um, wait a minute. Oh, she pirated the movie. So that's the kit. So these are all the shots. I mean, that's Amber. No, that's Megan. Sorry. That's Megan getting taken. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to end up being the next Megan. Me and her have a lot in common. All right. Like, like what a thing to say. But at the same time, it's like, what a wake up call. Cause you want to know something, even if this girl does engage in risky behavior, talking to strangers on the internet, like whatever, maybe that makes her think that she has something in common with Megan. At least she has like, this is an effective tool that's reached her in the sense of like, you know, sitting in a classroom maybe and like being lectured about this stuff by by teachers and parents. And, you know, teenagers just think they're invincible. They roll their eyes. But by seeing a fictionalized character, ha- this happened to a fictionalized character who could be them, seeing a teenage girl just like them or whatever, a, t- a young person just like them deal with this because that's the reality of the situation. I think it- it's an effective and necessary tool. And like, bravo that it's being recognized, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's another one. Let's see what this one says. Me before watching Megan is missing. Yeah. She's all smiles. This video may be inappropriate. I guess you can. Oh, wow. I guess it is available. 30 minutes in the last 20 minutes made me sick to my stomach. I mean, it's all the same. Now, did she, is that her actually crying or did she fake the, did she like put stuff on her face so that she would, her reaction video would have a good impact? Who friggin' knows? I don't want to take away someone's emotion for feeling the way that they feel, but man, uh, the term Megan trended on Twitter on Sunday afternoon as people began posting about it. Everyone on Twitter, don't watch Megan is missing. If you have severe anxiety, me, (laughs) I like that. He's got a microscope with glasses. Um, you know, I guess at the end of the day, maybe if it even is a film that like, it should be, you know, people, it seems they're, they're watching it on YouTube pirated, but I'm sure that Michael Goy, I bet you he doesn't even have a problem with that. I bet you he's just like, this is for him. It seems like the most important thing about making this film was about getting the message out there, you know, and, and doing it in the way that he did it. And so I think, man, Michael Goy. I salute you. Your mission is accomplished. The director of the film joined TikTok to post a warning about it, right? We already talked about that. Uh, What else? Uh, That's it. Uh, If you want to watch Megan is Missing, you can rent it on Amazon Prime, YouTube, or Google Play. Uh, So if you like to support art, if you like to support, you know, uh, the creation of this material, you can do so legally here. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you the links real quick. Here you go putting them in the chat if anybody wants to to rent this legally um i guess you can find it in other ways but man like oh no so there they are man there they are so that's the link to watch to rent it on youtube you can rent it on youtube um you can rent it on google play if you feel like uh if you're brave enough to do so um, let's see what this is. All right. So we are, we saw that here's our final, our final article. 
Megan is missing uh, director on the viral movies, deeper meaning and why he turned down a remake. Okay. So he's starting to do press now and he did a, he did a podcast. He's just done a, he's starting to get some, some major attention for this film. And this is an interview with him. And I think we're going to, let's take a look a little bit of it. Um, Michael Goy never meant for kids to find his film. And yet over the years, as Megan is missing has popped up in waves online. It was always the kids who discover it. The filmmaker tells EW this fall, TikTokers and Twitter users pounced on the 2011 horror film and documented their reactions in droves for reasons. Uh, Goy still can't quite wrap his head around last weekend. More than 55,000 tweets were sent out about the found footage style film which centers on two teenage best friends played by Rachel Quinn and Amber Perkins who go missing. Many of the people on social media have called it traumatizing and terrifying while others have dubbed it exploitative or flimsy. Uh, Goy says the film was born out of his experience working with forensics investigator on, Oh no, it was born out of his experience working with a forensics investigator on another project and his dissatisfaction with programs like to catch a predator for their sensationalistic portrayal of internet predators. The filmmaker, who's gone on to shoot shows like American Horror Story, wanted to make something raw to capture what could really go down if kids trust the wrong people online. Nearly 10 years after the film was released and 14 after it was shot, Goy, who ironically is now working on his first comedy feature, revisits his diversive, his div divisive, divisive, diversive, divisive, horror. Fl what does divisive mean? Let's look that up. Divisive, tendency to cause disagreement or hostility between people. Highly divisive. What about diversive? Is diversive not a word? Did I just make up that word? Oh, okay. Rue. Oh, my God. Rue, you've not I thought you had seen it, Rue. Rue. Rue, I hope I didn't spoil it. Damn. Well, okay. Just. <laughs> okay. Uh, man. Rue, I didn't know that. You should have turned away, man. Uh, so there's the director, Michael Goy, right there. Um, Entertainment Weekly. A lot of TikTokers and people who are just now seeing the movie have described it as traumatizing. You even filmed a video warning people about it. Did you anticipate the strong reaction when you were making the film? Michael Goy, well, sure. This is the director, Michael Goy. Well, sure. When we made the movie, we self-financed it. A, because I didn't think anybody was going to finance it because it was such a relentlessly grim script to begin with. And B, I knew we had to do it on a fairly tight budget, which motivated part of the decision to do it in a found footage format. But also that format seemed to lend itself to a, a, a lot to the type of movie that I wanted to make. And the casting of unknown actors was part of that as well. Because if we were using known actors or faces who were recognizable, it, would have, it wouldn't have the air of reality that I wanted it to have. We shot the movie in eight and a half days. The total production budget was $35,000 and a crew of uh, five people uh, with no motion picture lighting equipment, no grip equipment, no professional, professional sound recording equipment because I wanted the aesthetics to be very raw. And at that time that I made that movie, I had more than 30 years pro uh, uh, professionally in the business. When we made the movie, I knew that it was going to be controversial. So I wasn't surprised by that reaction, really. So this guy really said, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I, I, I just, just try and wipe your brain before you watch it, Rue. And make sure you put on something comforting after you watch it as well. Um, you're definitely more prepared than than most are when they when they see this film if they don't know anything about it. Um, but you hear Michael Goy talking about this film, and it, it sounds like this guy has a good head on his shoulders. You know, um, 
Entertainment Weekly says, is that why you think the movie went viral because it's marketed as a found footage about real events? We never set out to deceive people. Michael Goy says, we never set out to deceive people into thinking that it's real. I understand people's emotional reactions to the material that they want to believe or feel like that it's supposedly it's real, but it's a movie. It's a motion picture. Everything that's in the movie is based on real cases. There's nothing in the movie that I made up. Everything came from documents, courts. This is crazy. All right, here's what I was talking about. Ready? Everything came from documents, court transcripts, surveillance videos, file photos, all of that from seven. So I was wrong. It's not four different cases, seven different cases. So in that sense, it's entirely accurate to what actually happened in these individual cases. Just the seven cases were melded into the storyline. So to break that down, using documents, court transcripts, surveillance videos, file photos um, from seven different uh, abduction, uh, SEX crime, you know, child uh, abduction cases, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, they they all got consolidated into a single storyline. And as I said in the second video that I recorded for the audience out there, the dialogue was entirely transcribed from audio and video recordings that I've made of friends' children. So that's what he did. He went to his friends' children and he said, listen, guys, I promise I won't talk to your parents about what you tell me, but I'm trying to make this film as real as possible. And slowly the kids started to open up in front of them. They started to get very comfortable around him. And I guess he kept to his word. He didn't show his friends parents what they were saying and he was couldn't believe the stuff that he was hearing um he uh there were also two sets of children that i interviewed just to get a sense of what they talk about and how they talk and that became the dialogue uh and that changed the script that i thought i had in mind because the frankness of those conversations really surprised me so again and i agree i think the script is good it's a good script i think the acting the 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 actual uh, performances are leave something to be desired personally, but you have to get over that when you realize how real this stuff is. Um, Entertainment Weekly says, so you've talked about how you made this movie to educate and warn parents and kids about the, the dangers of not being careful online. Um, Michael Goy says, well, not kids. I never made the movie for kids. I made the movie for adults, but kids found it. So I, I mean, but you want to know something? Obviously, it's for adults, but kids should be watching it. I have, I have, I would have no problem. Again, when my uh, pending a conversation with my wife, depending on the emotional age of my daughter and my son when they're of age, you know, deciding what the right time is, and you know, showing it to my wife first and being like, we need to show this to our children. They should see this film, especially as the world. You know, uh, even in the age of COVID, when literally our social lives have become completely digital, most of my social interaction is digital. You know, part of me having a social life is doing these videos and talking to you because I'm a very extroverted, outgoing, talkative person. And this is an outlet for me to communicate with strangers on the Internet, which is what I do you know, essentially in, 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 in these shows or whatever you want to call it, whatever this content is that I make. And so, you know, our, this is our, this is, this is the world now. And it's like kids, like, like children, like they, they, they live in that world even more so than we do. You know, um, you know, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, you talked on the phone, you get somebody's phone number that, you know, in real life, you call them on the phone and you talk to them. 
You get off of school. You finish your homework. What do you do? You spend hours talking in your room. Mom, dad, leave me alone. I'm talking to my friends. You know, in the 80s, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was prestigious. It was a sense of prestige to have your own phone line so that you could stay and keep up with your friends. In the 90s, that turned into chat rooms, right? And that was when the internet dangers first rose up. And, like, you could communicate with random strangers. Remember ASL? Like, you know, like, how did you find out about people? ASL. (laughs) Think about how crazy that is today, the idea of ASL, you know? Uh, And then you have the whole concept of catfishing. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I'm surprised there are not more films made about this stuff. Um, Right. EW says, right. After more than a decade of this movie being out, do you feel that you've accomplished that mission? He says, talking about, uh, and he says, to a degree, the movie is too extreme for some people to either take seriously or not to be judgmental of the motives behind making it. In retrospect, the message may have been clearer if the movie hadn't been so frank and brutal. I disagree. You need the frankness and the brutalness in order for the message to be conveyed. He says, but on the other hand, if the movie weren't so frank and brutal, then it would basically be a lie to what I originally set out to do or show. So he was being true and honest to his art in that way. So in that way, there's a no-win situation. The kids who discovered the movie, and it's always kids who discover it, in every wave of activity uh, that movie has gone out over the last 14 years. Wait, sorry. The kids who discover the movie, and it's always kids who discover it in every wave of activity that the movie has gotten over the last 14 years or whatever. I remember the first time that it started trending up on YouTube years ago, an 11-year-old, he got contacted by an 11-year-old kid. And she says, wow, now I understand what my mom has been telling me about being on the internet. I didn't understand it until I watched your movie. And I said, what are you doing watching my movie? There's no way that an 11-year-old should be watching this film. So 11-year-olds, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And you know what it is? You know why it's so such an effective tool? Because it's the secret sauce, baby. It's the it's it's mommy and daddy's liquor cabinet. You're not supposed to have the key. You're not supposed to be in here drinking the liquor. You know? It gives the kids a sense of like, I'm doing something wrong that I should not be doing. And then like a Trojan horse, it's delivering the message. The message gets delivered right to your eyeballs, right to your children's eyeballs. Cause they think that they're not supposed to be watching this. And then all of a sudden, what you always wanted, you have given to your children without them being like, Oh, mom and dad, F you, you don't understand me. Leave me alone, mom and dad. Let me be in my room. I love my five-year-old, even my five-year-old, you know, he gets, yeah, my five-year-old has a, a tablet that he had from his school, right? Um, he switched schools, but he had like an iPad tablet thing. And, um, you know, he loves, he loves going on YouTube and we let him watch on YouTube. As a matter of fact, I, I got to tell you, I can't tell you how much my son's vocabulary has exploded from watching stuff on YouTube. Now he went and discovered Pennywise, the clown through a cartoon, which I wasn't too stoked about because I just like, you know, it's just annoying when your kids are terrified of the tar man. Cause my son is very terrified of the tar man because I have posters of the tar man hanging up in the basement. So he comes downstairs, he sees the tar man. He goes, daddy, daddy, who is that? And I, and I, I you know, I haven't shown him return of the living dead yet, but I will, I'm going to show him, when he's the age that I was when I saw it, 10 years old, I've decided it's okay to show that film when he's 10 because that's the age I was. And I, if I could do it at my age, then he could do it at his age. Um, but he's fascinated by this sort of stuff. So he discovers stuff and he's terrified of some stuff. 
But at the same time, he's also like curious. And we let him go on YouTube and he, dude, this kid is naming dinosaurs. He knows all these dinosaurs. I can't pronounce any of these dinosaur names or, you know, dragons or he just, he's a sponge. He soaks these things up. He's using words. We're at the dinner table. He's using words that I never could have imagined. The, the internet and the access to information is a wonderful thing in the right kind of context. You need safety measures to go with it. So when I see my son, he's off in his room and he's on his tablet. This is why I brought this up in the first place. And he's like, dad, I want my privacy. And I'm like, you're five and you're asking me for your privacy. <laughs> I just, I loved it. I, I was tickled pink when he said that. It made me really happy because I was like, I appreciate that. I appreciated that. And you know what? I left his room. I was like, All right, sorry, bro. Do your thing, you know? Uh, I'm sure that'll change as it gets older, you know, what 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 that privacy is about. But my point, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's awesome, man. And, um, but at the same time, it's, he's got the entire world is connected to him through the screen. Right. And so if I, I can't be there, I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to be a helicopter parent. I'm not going to watch over him, you know, all the time, every single day. I got to, how do I, how do I show him how to be safe? Let him discover this movie on his own. I mean, not now, obviously, but I'm just saying like, if I had a kid that was like 11 or 12 years old, let them discover this movie on their own and then like, you know, form their own sort of opinions about how they should interact on the internet. Um, so yeah, so he's saying there's no way an 11-year-old should be watching this movie, but he's wrong. Even the director is wrong. He doesn't understand. You know, sometimes you create art and then that art comes into the world and it has its own life. It don't belong to the director anymore. And it kind of takes on an identity of its own. And this identity does not belong with the parents of the children. It belongs with the children themselves. Uh, Entertainment Weekly asked, was Megan is missing unrated or rated R? Uh, Michael Goy says, it's unrated. I forget if it was actually ever officially submitted when Anchor Bay Stars picked it up, my vague recollection is that it was submitted, but then the submission was sent back with a note saying, let's pretend that you never sent us this movie. <laughs> um, but we always knew it was going to be an unrated film. Uh, EW asked, if you were to revisit this movie now, would you do anything different? Michael Goy says, I don't know that I could make this movie now. It was probably like eight or nine years ago. There was a production company in Mexico that wanted to do a Spanish version of Megan is Missing. They contacted us and asked if I would go to Mexico City and remake the whole movie with Mexican children in Spanish. And you want to know something? He said, he said, no, I just don't want to make this movie again. I don't want to go there again. Um, but if I were inclined to make it, I don't know that it would change them that much. I mean, that he said, I don't know that I would change them that much. I mean, I remember when we were casting, casting took a long time just to get the right combination of kids and to make sure all the parents were on board because I refused to shoot if a parent wasn't there with their child on set every day. And that's amazing. The parents were in the loop the whole time. Everybody was aware about what they were doing and what they were making and why they were doing it, no matter how it made them feel emotionally. I think that's kind of incredible. And I think that a Spanish version would be super effective because, you know, people disappear in Mexico all the time. They do. Their people disappear and um, children disappear and stuff happens down there the way that it happens up here, you know, uh, no different than how it happens in America. And um, uh, you know, it's another way, it's another angle to approach the subject material. And I think it would be good to do a remake in Spanish, honestly. Um, 
Michael Goy says, I've tried to make the point in the movie subtly, maybe not too subtly, about the fact that cute white girls, here you go. Here's what I was talking about. This is what he talked about in the podcast. Ready? And this is why he was, uh, I guess he was also ambivalent about uh, doing it with Mexican children in Spanish. He goes, I've tried to make this point in the movie subtly, maybe not too subtly, about the fact that the cute white girl gets all the airplay on television. There's a boy that's missing in Crenshaw in the movie, and it's just a passing mention. But then you don't hear from him again. And that was my acknowledgement of the fact that underprivileged or minority uh, diverse kids do not get that much airplay when they go missing. It's the cute white girls that make for good television. And that's why in casting, even though I'm on the board of several diversity coalitions in the industry, I said that the leads of this are going to be two white girls. And they said, well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you open up the casting to all races and stuff when you're in a position to do that? And I said, because that's part of the point. And I agree with them. Um, I need to have the audience, uh, when they watch this, immediately associate those missing children reports with what they actually see on television every night in order to take them where I want them to go. So in order to sell the reality, he's got he's got to do it like this. And I guess it does make awareness, you know, in the same way that a while ago, I confronted uh, Michael Graves, the the former lead singer of the Misfits 95. I confronted him about his comments about Black Lives Matter, right? It was really, I wasn't having any of it. And he was just, man, he had all these fans on and they were just, they were just licking his boots. I thought it was so lame. Uh, and the thing that I didn't say to him on air and what I wish I had said and ties into this point right here is, you know, I'm like, you have all these people coming on your program talking about like how great you are and why what you're saying is not a problem. I haven't heard from a single black person. Why has not a single, why haven't you had a single black person? Actually, you're black, flat, blah, blah, blah. you have black fans. Why haven't they, why aren't they on? Why don't you have them say something, you know? And it kind of really, to me, that was probably the most damning thing about everything that he was saying and doing about not being racist or not, you know, uh, uh, whatever. It just kind of was just like, it's just, I just kind of found it to be BS, man. I'm just, Cause I'm like, I'm sure that if you had some, some black people on people of color, they might not agree. They might not align with your narrative. Your narrative was all these Midwest people, white people, you know, it just didn't work. And so I think that there's something to that as to why Michael Goy, you know, had it about white people, had about two white girls. It kind of, you know, adds to the impact of like that, that like this doesn't even like, if you're a person of color, you're not even like you're a footnote, you're a footnote in this whole thing. Like, so not only are there tons of kids, but there are also tons of kids that nobody gives them a crap about, as we know with what happens down there, if you know what I mean, you know, with uh, Texas, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I don't want – sorry. I'm sorry. This is about – this is getting a little po more political than I would like. Um, the last question, does this mean – EW asks, does this mean that a sequel or a follow-up is out of the question? Uh Michael Goy says, I wouldn't say no, you know, never say never. I thought about it a couple of times, but there really was no angle that I could see that I would want to pursue yet. My friend Mark Kloss, who runs the Kloss Kids Foundation. So this is the Kloss Kids Foundation. Uh, is much more in tune with what's happening. in. This is what I wanted to highlight, too. Um, here, let me see that. Kloss Kids Foundation. Thank you, Rue. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he had to be called out. 
So this is the organization. Um, so check this out. If you want more information, people, let's not say that we, we never do anything uh, of, of note that's good on this show. Go right there. That's where you can learn more about this stuff. If this stuff is kind of blowing your mind right now. Um, and this, this thing says it's taking a minute to load. It says a mile a minute. That's how fast your child. Oh my God. That is so scary. Hold on. We'll, we'll go back to that in a second. Uh, so he said, I, you know, what's funny. I think Michael Goy does want to do a sequel, but I think he just has to, I think he wants to figure out how to do it. I think that's the, I think that's what he, he doesn't know how he wants to approach it. Right. You know? Um, and once he figures out how to approach it, he's gonna, you know, uh, take a crack at it and make it work. Why isn't this loading? This is really annoying. Come on class kids. Um, I really want to close with this because I think this is a good way to close. Um, I think when Michael Goy figures out how to approach the the right angle, he's going to make a sequel. I think he sees the demand and the ability to do a sequel. And he's stated that every penny that, that goes to his pocket uh, for this, um, for this film goes directly to uh, kids organizations. He doesn't make any money. He doesn't make any freaking money off of this video, uh, off of this film, I should say. So this is the Class Kids Foundation has fingerprinted and photographed more than one million children with our printathon service. So what they're doing is they're 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 making it so that uh, uh, children are more easily identifiable in a in a in a database, I guess. But there you go. Look, they have something called Megan's Law, huh? Interesting. Um, the brutal R.A.P.E. and murder of seven-year-old Megal, Megan Kenka. She's seven years old, and she was brutally murdered, and you know what? It, and um, that caused a law called Megan's Law to happen. <sighs> but it's just like it's like it's like a seven-year-old girl, little girl, is not immune to this sort of stuff, you know. Um, so check out this website. I'm going to put this in the YouTube, uh, the, the the thing below and, you know, how you can, wow. And you can get, how can you get involved? I wonder. Might as well take a look at all this stuff. Um, where's the thing about a mile, a mile a minute. That's how fast your child can disappear. I guess that's a, the statistic or the, the, um, the idea that your, your kid travels a mile a minute, probably in a car going 60 miles an hour, I would imagine. Huh. Is that something? So you can make a donation here. If you feel like making a donation, you can do so right here. Hold on. I want to put that link in here as well. So th those two links will go in the, in the comments. So if you're watching this video and at any time you can click on these links below um, and find out how you can get involved or if you want to know more. And I, like I said, I suggest everybody watch this film. This has really turned into a after school special, hasn't it? it? I did not intend for it to be that way, but you know, the more I, I I talk about this film and just the, it's just crazy, man. It's really, really, really crazy. And um, yeah. Uh, so so that's why Megan is missing is having such a resurgence. And you know, like I said, maybe you know, maybe my rules, uh, you know, my rule of like never revisiting something because it's so messed up. Maybe it's something that I, I I don't need to be so uh, strict about. Maybe there there is merit to revisiting stuff in the right kind of way. Maybe if I watch 
this film with my my children um that that i watch it with them and pause it at certain moments to talk about what it is that they're seeing i gotta tell you i watch horror films i watch a lot of horror films and there are times where you know especially i was doing i did 62 horror films in the month of october because i do this thing 31 days of halloween every year and um you know my son would walk in from time to time while i was in the middle of watching he'd be in his room on his tablet or whatever and come in see me watching something really messed up on the tv and i have to pause the movie and i have to be like i have to sit there and i have to talk to him about it totally fine totally unscathed not an issue but just like emotionally registered be like hey did you do you understand what i was watching do you know why that happened on there do you do you get that this is a fictional you know and he's got a pretty good hand on his shoulders five years old i'm pretty proud of him um i'm not as cautious as um you know i've seen other parents be no disrespect or judgment on them everybody you know the number one thing about parenting i've learned number one thing about being a parent um uh you know what's best for you and your child and anybody else who gives you advice unsolicited can go f themselves okay they can go f themselves uh that's my number one advice for parents Number two, um, my number two advice would be uh, whatever is seems difficult uh, now in the moment won't feel that way forever because well, as your kids grow, their problems change and then your problems change. And they're not problems, challenges. I like to think of them as challenges. It's all challenges, man. And the challenges get more sophisticated and more complicated, but they, they're temporary. Most of, most of the time, they're temporary. And one thing you know, um, uh, uh, turning into, you know, uh, one thing can turn into another thing. And yes, Rue, I agree. Uh, trying to be a caring and informative parent, man, just, just sort of talking things out. Um, so, wow, this was an extra long episode. I did not intend for, here we go. These links are finally loaded. So look, so you can get involved. There are ways to get involved, um, which is cool. I think that's very interesting. And then if you want to support and help, if you want to uh, do a donation, you can do so here. So there you go. There's all that stuff here. I'll put that link. Oh, that link is already in there. All these links will be in the in the bottom of the YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for a, <laughs> this was, uh, this was, as I said, this was an after school special. It started off talking about horror films. It turned into an after school special, but I guess that's, you know, the, 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 that's the, the movie having uh, it's the right effect. And uh, we'll be back with our reg regularly scheduled programming. That is, the complete history of the return of the living dead, perhaps tomorrow, perhaps the day after that more episodes of pizza punk are coming. I'm taping one tonight and another one tomorrow night. Uh, so I'm just going to keep those rolling out. And uh, we got a new episode. Like I said, Friday is the big premiere of, <laughs> I love like how I could talk about this and then I could make the film that I made over the weekend. <laughs> I made a, I made a film. Let's put it that way. I made a film. A uh, very graphic, uh, effed up film. Peter, you have a great day. Rue, you have a great day. <laughs> Thanks again, Jeff. That was a deep episode. See you next time. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Rue. Thank you, Peter. Um, you guys, you guys be well. Uh, and if you're if you're watching this later on, like, subscribe, comment, yada, yada, yada. And most importantly, peace and